Welcome to Sympathy for the Devil, a podcast about addiction with James Marshall and Adam Manovic. What is addiction? In this podcast, we explore addiction in its many and varied forms, from sugar to love, from alcohol to gambling, from work to sex. You can get addicted to heroin and alcohol, but can you get addicted to your phone or computer game? In this podcast, we talk to people whose lives have been affected by addiction. This is a program that explores what is and what it means to be addicted. Warning, the content of this program contains material that some people might find disturbing. Hi, and welcome to Simply for the Devil. I'm James, and Adam's here with me. Hi, James. How's it going? Good, Adam. Um, Now, for the last couple of weeks, we've talked to a few different addicts who have told us their story um, from different perspectives, different drugs. This week, um, you're going to tell us a little bit about growing up. It'll be really good to hear that insight, because I think it really is part of addiction, is the home you grow up in really is a big influence on who you become later on in life, and if you become an addict, I mean, I think it is to do with your upbringing in some ways. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think you can't live through um, a household that has that deals in extremes uh, without having a bit of extreme in yourself, if that makes sense. And uh, the house that I grew up in definitely had its, had its, had its extremes. Um, so, yeah, I think um, basically... My father was a functioning alcoholic and my mother was a non-functioning alcoholic. Um, and so I guess I got, um, and you know, they, they split up when I was quite young. I was about six when they split up. Um, and so I went to live with my mum initially and, uh, she remarried or repartnered up, I guess, uh, with, um, another fellow and he was, uh, a non-functioning alcoholic as well. Um, I think she literally met him when he was drunk on the riverbank. Um, so she went from bad to worse in a lot of ways with that decision. And uh, that era, which was about in uh, in real time, uh, was about 1991 to 1994, was probably the worst three years of my life. And, uh, you know, I was developing young man at that stage. I was um, about 11 to 14. I would have been so it's a very important part in anyone's uh, development and I think today like unfortunately some of the decisions I make and some of the uh, ways I look at life um, impacted was impacted by that time growing up and um, having to deal with um, living with alcoholics um, you know the excess of just one day being on top of the world not a problem or even one minute being on top of the world and the next minute being, you know, down in the dumps and, you know, and uh, just having nothing. Yeah, um, it, it reminds me of uh, people describing bipolar. One minute they're up and everything's great, and the next minute they're down in the depths of despair. Was it a bit like that in your family growing up? Yeah, it was. It really, it really was. Um, I mean, at the beginning, I can't remember many good times when I was quite young. Like, I didn't understand a lot of what was happening around me. So I remember when I was quite young uh say you know four or five i remember my mum would always hide uh, a bottle of whiskey or vodka or whatever it was 
um, from my father who would come home from work and then if she if he knew that she was drinking uh, he would get very angry um, but the, the funny thing was that he would be an alcoholic too but for whatever reason it was okay for him to drink like say six beers a night every night and then more on the weekend because he was a working man yeah that's interesting because I have heard that there are such a thing I'm not sure as a heavy drinker and then there's an alcoholic. I'm, I'm never sure of the difference. Would you say your father, there wasn't that difference in your family where your father was a heavy drinker, but your mum was an alcoholic? Well, it's an interesting question. I think the way that I looked at it at the time was, yeah, definitely that. Dad was an alcoholic. Mum had the problem with the bottle because she would always go crazy and do these um, unbelievably insane things when she was drunk. But dad wouldn't. But I think Dad just held his alcohol a bit better, and he was drinking a hell of a lot. Like you know, by anyone's standards, you know, four to six beers a night is a lot of beer per week. And then remember, on the weekend he was putting away a lot more. So on the Saturday he'd really let loose and you know have a proper bender with ten beers or whatever. And you know that's a lot of beer. And then some occasionally he would have um, you know go at the spirits as well. So I think they both were alcoholics. Uh, my dad just held it a lot better. Um, but then he crumbled too. Like after uh, mum and dad split up, he actually, um, you know, he, he kind of disintegrated and, um, you know, it became more apparent to me then that he couldn't help hold his alcohol as much as I, as I thought he could. Um, having said that, my mum disintegrated even more after they broke up as well. So she also went down a rung. Yeah. Tell us about what was going on for you as a little boy with this, um, I don't know what, what what would you call that growing up that kind of um you're not sure what's going to happen. Yeah, so I think like looking back on that time um I really did feel a sense of powerlessness. I didn't feel empowered. I didn't feel like um I knew where I was quite scared looking back. And I I only see that now like since I've had a child myself, I I notice when my daughter is scared like whether it's about anything, whether it's about something she's watching on TV or the, the other day I put my hand up on the fan and she knows that I shouldn't put my hand in the fan because I can, yeah, I can, my hand can kind of get hurt for by getting caught in the fan. So I can see when she's scared, but I, I look back on myself and I think, oh yeah, I was that same feeling, but towards alcohol. And I remember doing these really strange things. Like I remember putting water in the, in her, so I remember, um, uh, for a while, she was drinking Melbourne lo- Melbourne uh, bitter long necks, MB long necks, like with the red label. And I remember filling up water, like when they were half in, half full, I'd put water in them, like to try and water them down. And I, you know, I, I was thinking about what I was going to say today, and I remember that was um, something that I was doing that really didn't make any sense at all. I was just trying to water down the alcohol, but I didn't really think about it at the time. It was like a prank for, to me, but really in my, really, I think I was what I was trying to do was make her not drink. Like, and she'd get really angry and say, why are you doing this? This is wasted. And so she'd start hiding them from me as well. We had Jess on the program recently, and she talked about a father being a heroin addict and growing up with drug addict as a father. Did you relate to that episode? And if so, how? Oh, absolutely. Just the fact that, um, like, the the big thing that I took away from uh, Jess was, you know, occasionally she was flying and she was with her father and they were having the best time and there was not a problem in the world because there can be some really, really good times uh, uh, with alcoholics. They're just like really fun to be around sometimes. You know, they haven't got a care. They're really laid back. Um, there's no problems. And then until there is problems and then there's like everything at once. So I could relate 
a lot to Jess and I could feel that um, from what she was telling us that she felt she started to kind of turn off. Like she started to kind of realize, no, something's not right here. Like this isn't all fun and games. This is something as she grew up and that's exactly what happened to me. And I could definitely feel that powerlessness coming from her as well. The fact that you have a father or a mother and that's meant to look after you. But um, in actual fact, they, they can't look after themselves. And what other effects do you think it had? I mean, at the time, um, you felt fear. Uh, what other feelings were as a little boy looking back? I mean, it's very volatile. Ang- angry. angry. I was quite angry because mm-hmm. I remember, um, so, you know, early on and, you know, even before, well, as my mum and dad were breaking up, that was hard as well. So there was violence and things like that. Domestic, domestic violence? violence, absolutely. Um but I felt angry when I saw, and jealous, when I saw other children that had these, inverted commas, normal lives. Now I know now I know that such a thing doesn't exist. But I, I got really angry when I went to school, I remember, because I remember talking to you know, children in the playground and children were saying, oh, you know, my dad does this or my mama does that. And they'll pick them up and, you know, they'll be so normal and together. And I'd be like, wow, like, wouldn't it be great just to have a family where everyone doesn't drink? You know what I mean? And at the same time, my, um, you know, my older brother and sister were running away from home and there was all these problems there. And I just remember thinking, like, my fa- I remember realizing that my family, like, especially when I went to school, was not normal. I remember going to school and realizing that my family was not normal. And I remember being really angry about that. Okay, we'll get back to the anger, but I'm just thinking, is there a story you can tell us that illustrates what you're talking about in terms of fear and anger that you felt? I can tell you a really good story. It's it's actually a bit later. It's probably about 97. Um, by this time, my mother had moved to Sh- uh, Shepparton, and um, I used to come visit her on holidays because um, at, at this stage, I was living with my father, and my mother really had went off the deep end by now. Um, she was quite drunk a lot of the time. Uh, she was living at Carrion Park. Uh, she was seeing her on and off um, partner who was the same person that she got with who was um, basically an alcoholic as well. Uh, but that was disintegrating by this time as well. So that that kind of um, relationship wasn't going too well. But I remember um, just having an all-nighter. And, and so they, they had an argument and he would go off and then my mum would get the car completely blind, like couldn't even see like, you know, literally 10 feet in front of her and try and drive. And so I would hop in the car and drive. And like, you know, at that stage I was like, what, 15. So I could, you know, I wasn't stupid, but I mean, a 15 year old driving around the streets is pretty obvious. You know what I mean? Especially when you got like a, like a drunk person back and also um, a child, like a, um, you know, like my little brother would, would have been about four, four or five years old. So, um, you know, quite a sight kind of going around. I remember them, basically having an argument, then going off and me driving. And I used to like actually driving in a way as well. Oh, yeah, this is fun. Like, you know, at least I'm driving a car and all this stuff. And I'm driving around the river trying to find him. It was middle of the night. It would have been like one in the morning. And then um, I hit this person out of nowhere and I realized it was him, uh, my mum's partner. And <laughs> in a moment, we were like happy singing, like, you know, the radio was on. Um, to like, you know, absolutely inconsolable that we'd hit someone and everything was quiet. 
when we went out and he popped up and he's like, I'm, it's me, I'm all right. And we're like laughing again. And it's just like, that's the type of story that alcoholics like that happens to them. Like, it's just crazy. That we're out there at one in the morning on a Wednesday night. Looking Shepparton? In Shepparton, around the Golden River, Golden River, trying to find this person. It was amazing that we were out there. I was out there, 15-year-old, driving with my mother who was blind and my uh, little baby brother, trying to find this um, person in the middle of nowhere. Um, who you was know, your mother's partner. At the who time. was my mother's partner at the time. Accidentally running into him and running him over. Then he popped up saying, everything's all right. And everyone's like, yeah. It was just like, just such a weird rollercoaster of emotions. And I remember... Um, I remember driving back, and if you, if anyone's ever been to um, Shepherd, then they know it's cow country, so there's a lot of cows and things like that. And on, on um, every corner, there's a Duckett's, um, there's a sign that says Duckett's, which is um, basically the, the local cow milk. And I remember everyone in the car just all of a sudden thought that name Duckett's was hilarious, and this was absolutely, you know, pissing themselves laughing over Duckett's cows, and it's unbelievable. And then I remember that same, that same trip, um, basically seeing a cop car go past and everyone just freezing up because they knew if we got caught, then that would be really bad news for everyone. But thank God the cop car went past. And so I got home that, that time. So that's, that's an interesting, I guess, um, story about how things can be crazy one minute, um, you know, sad the next, dangerous. Yeah, I could see how mm. uh, at the time... Your emotions must have been really all over the place. On the one hand, very fearful, uh, but the f- funny as well. A situation that you hit hit your mother, <laughs> you hit your mother's boyfriend out looking for him. Really hard Shepherd too. To, like literally late at night, one o'clock in the morning. It's almost like you intentionally hit him, or somehow the stars aligned, and you actually did find him. The car found him. And that's a weird thing about being like you know, I guess being with alcoholics is, and, and, and you know, I know this from being drunk myself as well. Like. The strangest things happen when you're when you're drunk, and the, when those things happen that are strange, they become even more bigger and stranger because you're so drunk. That it's like this is this is crazy, and so like um, yeah, everything becomes bigger. Whether you're angry, scared, you know, like frustrated, whatever it is. Obviously, you got love and attention as well because mm. you you're pretty together guy sitting here with me with a family and a child and a good job and. But I mean, like you think about, you think about, you know, like my partner always makes a joke and says, you know, if I saw your life as a Wikipedia page, um, you know, yours would look like ten bu- Ted Bundy's or something like that. Like you look at like the stories that you told me, tell me, you should be a serial killer. Like, you know, that your, your, your entry of your Wikipedia would look like a serial killer because that's just, I mean, like the thing that really, I think the the thing that I always go back to, which is one of my, um, I guess the saddest things that's ever happened to me, I've ever had to do in my life was that same year, 97, when mum was really kind of um, really, really struggling. I believe it was the day, I, I believe I remember the exact day, August 31st, uh, 1997, the day that Princess Diana died. Um, we were sitting in a caravan park in Merbein, which was near Muldura. By then she'd moved back to the um, near Muldura. Living in a caravan park? Living in a caravan park, yeah. So we, we moved back from the Goulburn Valley to Muldura. Well, she had. I was always I was with my dad at the, at the time. But anyway, I'd, I was seeing them. It was the, um, the September-August holidays, that kind of the school holidays. And um, uh, I remember, uh, you know, obviously the... Um, you can't just kind of keep on getting drunk and be the local. You can't just keep on doing that and not have repercussions being drunk. It's, it catches up with you eventually. And so how it caught up with my mum was uh, basically the um, 
you know, the refuge, or, you know, first of all, uh, Department of Human Services. I don't know what they're called in Victoria, what they were called, but it's basically, you know, um, docs, docs, yeah, if, um, if everyone out there knows what that is, um, come and uh, took away my little brother from from my mother. And, and I, I was the one who had to be in the car to bring him to, so I had to be in this car, drive from Merbein to Golgol, which um, if anyone knows um, Sunraysia, that's actually like a 30-minute drive. Drop, her, drop him off at this um, refuge, basically like, um, you know, foster parent environment place where there was all these other kids there. Like, it was about probably five, other, five or six other kids. And basically say, oh, you're living here now to like a five and a half year old kid. Um, he was confused and sad. But by what he was going through at that time, like awful neglect, you know, like it took a, takes a long, back in the 90s, it would take a long time for children to get picked up by Department of Health Services because um, the world was different back then. And so people, slowly the word would go around about my mum and how she was treating my little brother, which was, I guess, um, not, you know, she, she loves him and she loved him, but uh when you're an alcoholic, again, you can't look after yourself. So how are you supposed to look after other people? And that was one of the saddest things that's ever happened to me, just because I felt powerless again. I'm like, what do you say to to that kid? You know what I mean? What do you say to like him? And I, I've hardly really connected with him since probably. Like, you know, probably the late 90s was the last time I was probably properly in contact with him. And I think that kind of scarred our relationship in a way, like in, in a way, even though I was there to help him. It just... I think that was a bad time, and I was a big part of his life then. So why didn't you? Tu- why did you turn out Adam instead of Ted? Do you think? <laughs> um, I really don't know. I've asked myself that many times, and I've um, asked my partner that, and my partner's asked me that. And the people that know me the most have kind of talked about that and said, you know, why? How are you the way you are? And um, I was. I guess the answer is, is you. I'm not the person who you think I am. I am quite dark underneath and i am um do you, know, you wrestle with demons do you I think i definitely wrestle with demons 100 mm-hmm. percent. like and still to this day and um i mean i there's a lot of issues that i'm always working through i went through a really intense um uh really intense uh you know uh, counseling mm-hmm. about seven years ago which i think made me get over a road hump mm-hmm. in my development and and you're on medication today to help you different things well you know like i, I guess we don't I'm, have to go into what but yeah. most people want something these days yeah. so look I, I mean i think i just think that you know like the way that i was brought up i was constantly struggling i was constantly you know um paddling upstream so i feel like i am still paddling upstream and people that uh didn't have my upbringing uh, or had something that was a bit better, didn't have to paddle up against upstream as hard as I, as I have. And uh, this is not me kind of saying like, you know, look at me, look at my life. Like no. everyone, everyone's had You're different. Everyone's you. had a, their own stuff and everything. Everyone's had stuff that's bad. Like everyone's, mm. there's no good or bad. Uh, sorry, there's no. Um, I've had it worse than you, or you had it worse than me. It's all relative to that person, but. I know that I've had it had it tough, and I know because of the counselling I've went through that I've had that that I've been severely put back in life because of that emotionally. Yeah. Um, I think I'm getting out of it now. I think having a child is like has been really really 
a good wake up call for me. And a partner, I would say. And a steady partner who I who I trust and who can um, keep me on the straight and narrow. I think I think they're two things that have really helped me. But um, even in the last ten years, like I, I've had my current job, I've had for you know nearly eleven years now. Um, I look at that person who I was when I joined where I work now and and where I am today. Um, I'm a completely different person, um, and I think I've definitely fought against those demons and i'm starting to win win now and tell me about your family today do you have anything to do with your mother or father and is there still anger there i don't have anything to do with either of them um which again i think has helped my recovery yeah i think so because i couldn't so with my father um we were on and off for a long time i lived with him but then you know i i mean i grew up i went to uni i did all these things i've always kind of wanted to be in a way actually what I kind of come from has made me not want to be that so I've kind of always fought against you know that type of stuff and I've always um you know wanted to learn and be something more but uh, my father and I haven't talked in a really long time I'd say 10 years maybe and or maybe a handful of times in 10 years not many times at all and uh, my mother and I haven't talked since I'd say 2000 and I'd say we've talked once in 15 years. Is she still a practicing alcoholic? From what I've heard, yes, but I'm not sure. Mm. And you don't feel at the moment like reconciling with either of them? Well, I, I do because I have a daughter now and they, they're, you know, I'd love them to meet um, Rosie, their granddaughter. But then I think about how my life, I don't want them to bring, I don't want to bring Rosie into their lives and them into Rosie's with like you know if they're not if they're not actually healthy yeah because i know it's going to be um i know it would impact badly upon rosie if i brought rosie into their lives i don't want to i wouldn't want to do that so although there's a part of me that wants to kind of get back with them and talk to them and say hello um there's another part of me it's just it's too painful and it actually might not be a good call for my daughter so do they ever reach out to you as far as you know not lately um, is your father still drinking as well? I'm not sure. He's yeah, not sure. I'm not yeah. sure, yeah. Wow, you've really cut yourself off from yeah. the f- and your brothers and sisters as well. Uh, br- my brother I still talk to every now and then. Yeah. Uh, he's had his issues, but um, he's doing all right. He's mm. doing better than... Um, and, you know, I think... Is this a brother you dropped off at the foster home? Oh, sorry, no. My little brother I, d- I haven't... I haven't had any contact with him in a very long time. I'd say about 15 years. You don't know what he's doing or where he is? I don't know what he is, where he's, what he's doing. I've tried to look him up a couple of times, can't find him. Wow. Um, my big brother, who actually had a worse upbringing than I did because he had mum and dad when they were younger and more, I guess, more Volatile. Volatile, yeah. 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 And my big sister. Um, my big brother's doing okay. Like He mm-hmm. has his ups and downs and he has his moments, but um, from all... Um, reports he's doing okay he has a steady job and he can hold it which is good Um, and he has his own family and things like that Uh, my oldest sister I don't hear much about her I probably know her the least I've probably spoken to her since 1991 I've probably spoken to her probably about three times do you know if any of them have uh, alcohol or drug issues Uh, my well my my brother yes they both do Um, my brother's struggled with alcohol for all his life hmm um. Yeah, and he still struggles with it today, but he's in a better place today than he was, say, two or three years ago. So that's good. Yeah. Um, my older sister, I wouldn't know, but I know she 
uh, reports that I have had, she they haven't been good. So mm. she has had drug problems. And you think it's directly related to their upbringing? Absol- absolutely. With mm. um, with my sister and brother, absolutely. And yourself with your gambling? Oh, absolutely, hundred mm. percent. Like you know, I, I I guess like you know, the way that I see it is with my gambling, um, as bad as it was. Uh, I really do believe that it had a uh, my gambling did have something to do with my upbringing and and you know um, I guess because gambling in a way is about control. Mm. Gambling is about controlling, um, you know, what money you put out, what you spend, what you get back. You know the odds. It's all numbers. It's very, it's it's really good like that. And when you win money, it's like oh, this is ten dollars. Mm. You know, this is it's very. Um, absolute. Whereas when you're um, with alcoholics or drug addicts, like if there's no, there's no certain, there's no certainty. No. The only, there's absolutely no certainty. You don't yeah. know what, what the next. The only certainty is it gets worse. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't want to, you don't want to talk about that. Yeah, that's right. So I mean, I guess, like you know, look, the thing is, like I look at, I could tell you a thousand stories. I really could. Like, um, and I love my like. I, other than that, I love my family. Like I do. Like you know, I look at my upbringing. I, d- I don't want this to be like a a slagging out of my family. I do. I do love them, and I did have some good times with them. And you felt their love at times. I, f- I felt their love at times for sure. Um, but it wasn't a normal upbringing. It wasn't like there's just no way you can look at that upbringing and say that was normal. Um, yeah, I think what you talked about fear. I could really relate to that. A kind of a fear or uncertainty. Um, as a child, you know, like I have a son and I just want him to feel very secure and loved and very okay with himself. And I say, mate, you're doing well. Um, I love you. You know, I'm proud of you. You're giving it a go. Everything's okay in the world because I feel like I didn't get that. And so I had this kind of, am I okay? Am I lovable? A kind of a fear, the one you talked about, which Mm. I could really relate to. And, you know, you live with that always. And I guess the thing is you don't really, like, it took me a while to realize that. It took me a while to realize, like, it was only on in retrospect that you know that you're you're going through that fear. Like, you, I look at myself back then, I'm like, yeah, I was, I was scared. But at the time, it's like you don't really, you don't really say, oh, I'm scared. You just kind of, you're feeling scared. You don't have the time to reflect. You're just reacting. Yeah, but you, the emotions are still growing and you're still growing as a person. So if you're growing in fear, I think it becomes part of your DNA. Very hard to unravel this kind of feeling of fear and uncertainty. And as you said, swimming upstream, like life, feel, for me, it does too. It feels like I'm, I mean, it just feels like a struggle sometimes, like almost every day. I've just got to kind of check in with myself and go, it's like, I'm okay a roof over my head you know i've got food in the cupboard i've got a partner everything's okay you know because otherwise my head will tell me that life is just too fucking hard you know what i mean mm. i um, guess like you know and i think about like sometimes i think about why they were like that and i think and then when i look at what i know about my mother's life and what i know about my father's life so my mother got with my father when she was 14 years old Mm. He was twenty something, so that's straight away. You can say, "Hey, that's there's an issue there." She had um, my older sister when she was fifteen. She had my older brother when she was twenty six. She had me when I was twenty five, and my little brother when she was thirty four. So that's a lot of kids in you know in a very stretched out period of time, mm. um, and very young when she had um, my 
brother, my older brother and sister. So I could see why she jumped to that. Like she had a tough life, you know what I mean? And um, but she probably had an alcoholic. Well, you know, it's it's it's. I don't know if we've got time to get into it in this episode, but being an Aboriginal woman, there's a lot of things at play there. Not only her parents, but her whole cultural removal and oppression would have had a rig factor in her alcoholism. I would think absolutely. Um, and with my uh, my father, who's uh, Croatian, um, he was he would have felt an outsider a bit too. He, he felt, certainly felt an outsider. Um, drinking culture mm. is a part of Australian culture mm. um, to fit in. Fit and in, in the yeah. working class, you have to, you know, you have to be able to down a couple of drinks and, you know, show that you're strong in that way. And that's definitely how my yeah. father probably got into it. Having said that, like um, my my dad's family, like they, you know, uh, creations noted down their plum brandy and all these spirits, and so they were a family of hardened alcoholics as well. Like, there's not one. Um, there's not one abstainer in the family. So, yeah. you know, like it's just I can see why they and, 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 and he grew up. He was born in World War Two. He grew up in early communist era, Tito mm. era. Yeah, right. So, so he had his own trauma. It was a tough time. Yeah, it was yeah. a tough time. Anyone who knows anything about the uh, late 1940s, early 1950s in um, Yugoslavia, yeah. Yeah. Um, incredibly violent um, uh, time where people were poor. They didn't have much money. There was a lot of change. Um, a terrible, terrible oh. environment to live to, you know, grow up in. So you think addiction is nurture, not nature. You think if you had a perfect upbringing, you loved, you looked after, you would never be an alcoholic. Or no, addict. no, I don't think that. I think that um, nurture is, I think, seventy percent of it, mm. but I think there's thirty percent which is nature, and mm. so I think you have to. I th- but that 30%, let me make myself clear, that 30% I think is in 80% of humanity, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think hu- humans, for what I can tell, um, are predisposed to addiction, most of us, and it doesn't matter what type of addiction it is. It might be, um, you know, I really like cornflakes in the morning and I can't have, any- have anything else. That's an addiction. If you've had cornflakes every morning for the last three years and you're addicted to cornflakes. Yeah. Um, so I, I think... There's a predisposition for human beings. It's in everyone, are you saying? To have addiction, yeah. yeah it's in I everyone think. to have an addiction. But then if you have a bad upbringing, you're more likely to have the bad addictions and also for them to come out more extreme. Like I said at the top of the podcast, um, if you grew up in an extreme environment, then you're likely to uh, you know, have ex- extremity in yourself. Mm, yeah. All right, Adam, that's fantastic. Well, thanks a lot for telling us that today. Very uh, personal and uh, quite moving. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks, James. Thanks for listening to Sympathy for the Devil. Join us next time for a completely different tale of addiction.